I'm excited to share this morning. Whenever I take a week off, it's like bubbling out of me. Um, but I'll try to take it easy and not yell or anything. If I listen to my last sermon, I'm like, I yell way too much. <laughs> I'm like, yikes. Anyways, I'll tone it down even though I'm excited. But let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray this morning that your word would speak to us. May Jesus be revealed in his word. May we learn and grow. Holy Spirit, would you this morning establish us, encourage us, and comfort us in the truth of your word? I pray that we will be ready to grow, specifically to use our gifts for your glory. This morning we do also pray for our missionaries. I think of John and Rebecca. Bless them. John is he's preparing to teach Acts the Bible school in South Africa. Rebecca, she's expecting in June. We pray for Andrew on leave from Ukraine, about to get married. Be with Jim. Catherine, as they're flying to South Africa, that your hand would be upon them. Lord, we pray for Ken in Austria, that you would bless the work with refugees. Today I pray for Caleb in south of Montreal, in the Bible college, teaching at a local church, that your Holy Spirit would use him and work through him to proclaim the love and grace of Jesus Christ as he teaches through Ephesians 2, that your hand would be upon that. We pray for Verms as he travels through Asia, again, supporting missionaries, that your hand would be upon his life as he battles sickness and illness and allergies, that you would touch him and heal him. We pray for those who aren't well, that we know who are sick. Pray for miracles, Lord. Christian Miller, his second birthday, May the 10th. This miracle baby, Lord, but would you touch him and heal him? We continually lift up Mary Stewart. She would banish that cancer, that you would touch her body. Lord, we've heard of our brother, the Free Methodist Church in Westport, Linden, not the good news, Lord, but we pray that you would touch his body, that you would be with him, his family. Pray for those emotionally hurting, relationally, Lord, that you would minister to them. Those who are broken, that you would reveal your love to them again and again and again. Lord, and lastly, I pray for mothers, mothers of young ones, that you would strengthen them, encourage them, mothers of teenagers and young adults, Lord, that you would give them wisdom. Lord, we pray for mom of adults and grandmothers to see that picture of them praying, that you would bless them and answer their prayers and that you would strengthen them. Collectively, we give thanks for mothers and their heart this morning. Lord, bless your word. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, Jr. would love to pass one out. If you do have your Bible, I encourage you to open up 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 this morning. Two weeks ago, we talked about Paul's words to Timothy, which said, Till I come, give attention to reading, 
to exhortation, and to doctrine. The previous seven weeks, we talked about not being despised because of anything about us, in this specifically, youth, but rather we're to be an example to one another in word, conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and purity. I want you to remember the whole book of 1 Timothy is by Paul to Timothy, pastor, lead elder in Ephesus, showing him how the church should function. He says these things in chapter 3, verse 14, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Chapter 1, grace, no other doctrine. Chapter 2, roles of men and women, prayer. Chapter 3, qualifications of deacons and elders. Chapter 4, what a good servant of Jesus Christ should look like. Being an example, and then what church should be about in our personal lives. We should be reading the scripture should be exhorted and we should be teaching the truth and here we come to verse 14 this morning and simply we will cover it do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership meditate on these things give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. The word of God is so powerful, but here, not to neglect the gift. Can I tell you this morning that each of you has a gift, a spiritual gift. Amen? You might not think it, but it is true. And some of you have more than one. The word for gift, actually very clearly, is charismatos. And you say, well, I'm not a charismatic, but you have a charismatos. (laughs) You have a gift that is spiritual in the Greek, translated a gracious gift, a grace gift. And we put that together. It's undeserved. It's not from you. It's from the Holy Spirit, and that's why we would say it is a spiritual gift. All of you have been given some sort of a spiritual gift. Some of you might still be looking for that, but you do have one. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that the Spirit (coughs) distributes to each as He wills. Some of you obviously have different gifts. Some of you have more than one gift. But we all have some form of charismatus, that grace gift within us. Why are you given gifts? The Word of God says very clearly in 1 Corinthians that you may edify the body of Christ. You've been given something that's supernatural to bless and to build up others. That's why we believe in body ministry. Because each of you have a different ability, and when all those abilities are working together, we are building each one up that they may grow in Jesus Christ for his glory. 
you might be saying, well, what are those gifts? And I'm here to tell you. I will tell you each one that's named in Scripture to help you. There are two different lists in the Word of God, one in Romans chapter 12, one in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So on that list, you have these gifts in Romans 12. The gift of prophecy, which I will tell you later, is simply speaking forth the Word of God. You have the gift of ministry, being able to care and bless for others. You have the gift of teaching, not being apt to teach, but the gift of teaching is when someone can say, wow, that was explained in such a way that God is speaking to me. Now, I think we all need to be apt to teach, but some are gifted to teach. There's a gift of exhortation coming alongside one another. We talked about that two weeks ago. The same uh, Greek word for the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, to come alongside and to help, to exhort, to say, come this way. That's exhortation. The gift of leadership. You've seen that in people's lives. It's easy. You don't feel that you're ruled over. You feel like you're a part of it when someone has the gift of leadership and they just are able to direct the ship. The gift of mercy. We know what mercy means, right? The gift of giving. There's some people who just have the gift to give. Now, we're all called to give, but for some, it's a lot easier to give. It's almost like breathing. Hey, you need that? You can have that. We all aren't blessed with that, but we're called to give. But some, it just comes so natural. Have you met someone like that, right? It's supernatural. Like, how could they give me that? That's their last thing. It's a, it's a gift from God. It's a supernatural gift. In 1 Corinthians 12, some of the gifts mentioned are the word of wisdom. So it's almost a word of wisdom in season that they can speak to you that seems almost directly from God. A word of knowledge, being able to know something, not having heard about it, where the Spirit speaks to someone and they can speak a word of knowledge to build you up. 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the gift of faith. Again, like giving, we're all called to have faith, but some people have an easier supernatural ability to trust when it's really difficult. I'm sure you've met people like that. The gift of healings is mentioned, where we see people healed and God flows as a channel through certain people. The gift of miracles. Again, the only one mentioned twice, the gift of prophecy. The gift of discerning of the spirits. Have you ever met someone who just has the gift of discernment? They can be like, something's off there. Everyone in the room can be like, I got that one. It goes beyond emotional intellect, okay? I think all of us have an emotional meter, like, ooh, something's weird. But this is able to discern in the spiritual realm that something is off. The gift of tongues. The gift of interpretation of tongues. And we do believe in those gifts at Northgate practice properly and in order for the edification of the body of Christ. The gift of helps. Some people just, I need help. And all of a sudden, here comes a servant of the Lord ready to help. And it's almost like for them, it's not hard. I don't have this one. <laughs> That's me to go stack firewood with you. I'm like, darn it. 
Not that I wouldn't do it, because we all need to be practicing and working, but for some people, it's so natural, and they stack your wood like they would stack their own wood at home. And it's just so natural. The attitude is supernatural. And finally, we see in 1 Corinthians 12, there's the gift of administrations. Those people, supernaturally, who can just organize things and get things on track. I can honestly say, I don't have that one either. <laughs> Anyone who's worked with me is like, hey, hey, yes. <laughs> I have missed so many appointments. Anyways, that's why we need each other. Amen? And that's why I need my iPhone. So, you might be saying, well, what of those do I have, do I not have? And we'll get to that in a minute. But I just want to tell you, the first part of our verse to Timothy is very clear. Do not neglect. That's what it says. In the Greek, it's do not be uncaring. In other words, care for the gift that you have been given. Have you ever received a gift that you really, really loved? Something special? and you care for it, and you take special care of it, and you don't neglect it. Think of that. Think of it in terms of maybe something from a special friend that meant a lot to you, from your spouse, from your parents, from a coworker, and you cherish that, and you care for that, and you would never neglect that. That's what Paul's saying. You've been given a great gift. You've been given a spiritual gift. Do not neglect it. Well, why would we neglect what God gives us through the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, sometimes we get distracted and we leave things on the shelf. Sometimes, yeah, we're just selfish people. Do you know that? And there's things that we have to do that we don't do because we're focusing on other things. Sometimes in my life, and maybe yours, we're just lazy. And we need to care for things and we don't. Sometimes we don't provide the time, as I mentioned. Maybe a few examples to bring that home in other ways. Our bodies, our health is a gift, right? That's not necessarily what we're talking about here, but just for the idea for you to understand as you eat properly, right, as you exercise, you are not neglecting the gift of health. Do you understand what I mean? As you take care of. I really believe the house we live in is a gift. We could never afford it. God blessed us with that house for our children, and I give God all the glory. But we got really busy and distracted because we have nine children and many visitors in our home. So year after year, you're just doing your thing, you're serving the Lord, you're taking care of your kids, you're doing this and that, and after 10 years, oh no, the roof is falling apart. Oh no, the windows, oh no, the rug's worn out. Oh no, there's holes in the wall. That happens with nine kids. And it's almost not purposefully, but we distracted the care of our home because of the busyness of life. And then all of a sudden, it came all at once. Whoa, wow, we got to do this and we got to do that. 
But God was gracious in that. But I think just to give you that example, as if you know, and people have told you, wow, you're really gifted beyond your normal human ability in this area. Do not neglect or be uncaring to what God has given you. Pay attention, focus, work it out, work out. Like you would go for a walk, use the gift to care for the gift because what you're doing is you're keeping it in tune and you're blessing others. Now you might not think so, but some people have told me I have the gift of teaching. So if I am teaching, it doesn't mean I don't continue to work on it. You understand? And that's why sometimes I listen to my messages and say, oh, darn it, how could anyone listen to that, right? Because God says, well, work on this part. Is it still a gift? Yes. Do I still have to work at it, not neglect it? Try to hone in that gift a little more. Learn so I can grow in that, yes. If I have the gift of helps and administration, that yes, I'm doing this well, yes, I have a heart for that, but yes, I continually learn to become better in the spiritual gift that God has given me. Don't neglect it. Keep working at it. It doesn't mean because you have a gift that, oh man, it's complete, I'm done. God is always pruning us and always allowing us to grow in our gift because as we grow in this supernatural ability, we're just going to bless the body of Christ more and more and more. Don't you want to be more effective at what you're good at? Doesn't that make sense? I think there are other supernatural gifts that aren't on the list as well. And I just want to encourage you, in those, you might say, I haven't heard, right, them on the list. But keep growing in them for God's glory. For instance, we don't see the gift of music or worship, but I believe that's a gift because I've tried to strum a guitar and it doesn't work well. I do not have that gift either. I can remember, I was saying to the home group, I think, or somebody, that I, I was so excited I bought myself a guitar when I was in my early 20s. And you hear the stuff, you're like, I'm just going to hammer this out. And I just couldn't strum. Days and weeks I practiced, and I finally found one rhythm that I could actually strum, and it still didn't sound good. That wasn't my thing. But then I realized when I shot a basketball, it had a tendency of going in the hoop. And I was like, that's a lot easier than strumming the guitar. And for you, work at what you're good at, what God has blessed you with. You might say, well, what good is throwing a basketball in a hoop, Dan? That's not really a gift. I can't tell you how many times I've been able to encourage, to exhort, and to speak into people's lives because of sports. I can't tell you how many relationships I've created and how God has used me because I could kick a ball to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so for you, don't neglect it because it is a grace, undeserved gift 
that you can use for God's glory. It does say, interestingly, and sometimes we might want to skip over these parts, but it says, it was given to you by prophecy. Given to you by prophecy. Well, what do we really think about that? Does prophecy actually really happen? It's interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the first verse in there, if you turn there, says, desire spiritual gifts, especially to prophesy. I want to tell you prophecy is speaking forth the word of God. It's forth-telling. And that can happen in many ways. But we are supposed to seek that gift, all of us, that we may speak God's words into people's lives. Because 1 Corinthians 14 goes on to say, it's edifying, it's exhorting, and it's comforting. Have you ever experienced that? When prophecy is done correctly... And it's not these billboards saying the world's going to come to an end and then we think, oh, that's an abuse, so that doesn't exist. But truly, have you ever experienced someone prophesying, speaking forth God's truth in your life? And here's what you would feel. You might have felt edified, built up. You might have felt exhorted, like you can do it. Come on. You might have felt comforted. And I could just see this picture we have of Paul saying to Timothy, don't you remember your gift when we prophesied for you, when we spoke into your life the words of God, how you were edified, you were built up, how you were exhorted. Come on, Timothy, you can do it. And how you were comforted because you knew that God was speaking to you. We need to see more of this in the church. We need to see people built up. We need to see people exhorted. And we need to see people comforted. Timothy receives this amazing gift as the eldership, or in the Greek, the seniorship, the leadership of the church saw something in him, or maybe just spoke into his life, and said, Timothy, you can do it. Timothy, you have a gift to lead. Obviously, he was an elder. Timothy, you have a gift to teach. Absolutely amazing. And why we need to speak into each other's lives words of affirm, affirmment and words of encouragement. Can I ask you this question? When's the last time in the body of Christ you took someone aside and you said, listen, I want you to know something. I saw you the other day and you were serving someone else and there was such joy. I just picked service, but you picked the gift. And I was super encouraged. I really believe that you have the gift of help. Now you pick one out, whatever you want. Now think to yourself, because you're thinking, why doesn't anyone do that for me? Let's wipe that aside. When is the last time you have done that for someone else? Maybe a quick text. Listen, 
you were doing whatever, or you spoke to me in this way. I just want to affirm you in what you're doing. I was really blessed by that. And I could see God working through you. How do you think I'm going to feel if I got a text like that? I can't believe they sent it. Why didn't they call me in person? No, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to be super edified. And I think if you would say otherwise, I'm like, I think you might be lying. But anyways, you would feel exhorted to continue on in that gift. And you would feel really comforted. I think one of the things God's shown me in the last couple of years, this is something I need to be doing. And I've tried to make a practice of encouraging people in this. And I have never got a bad reaction from trying to encourage someone in what they do well. I'm just being honest. Now, I've got bad reactions when I try to correct people. <laughs> but never when I've tried to encourage someone. And I think in our bodies, we see a lot of people doing things that are spiritual gifts. And I want to encourage you to encourage them to continue in what they are doing. Second part of that, too, kind of is, don't be afraid to pray for one another and ask God, what would you say to this individual now? I would say, if you don't have anything encouraging to say or edifying, don't say it. But trust through his word and through the Holy Spirit that lives in you, as you pray for people, you can really, really speak forth truth and encouragement and prophecy into their lives. Again, sometimes because of abuse, we throw things, some, throw things away, but then we lose the value of what they were meant for in the first place. Prophecy, speaking forth into people's lives, God's truth is really, really important. Amen? I just thought of this a little bit, and he's got to say this to Timothy, and I guess I'm looking into the scripture a bit too, but maybe you can look with me. Why is he reminding Timothy of this? I think Timothy wasn't using his gift the way Paul wanted him to. We know in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says this, stir up the gift within you. You know, you, you have a drink, it's been sitting, everything goes to the bottom. Sometimes it needs to be stirred up, right? And obviously, maybe Timothy was struggling and Paul wants him to stir up what he was good at. And I think that's what I want to do for you this morning is to stir you up into what God has called you to do. But why did he need to be stirred up? What was it? And it seems, as I've mentioned before, if you've been here before, that Timothy struggled with fear. Because the next verse in 2 Timothy 1 is, God has not given you the spirit of fear or timidity, right? But of love, power, and a sound mind. Stir up your gift. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Put it together. He wasn't using his gift because of fear of something. In our lives, sometimes we 
are paralyzed by fear. And there's many different types of fear. Do I really have this gift? God, is this really you? What are people going to think of me? Da-da-da-da-da-da. You, you fill in the equation. One of the fears I just want to mention to you that I have struggled with, and it might not apply to you, but maybe it would apply to you, and I just want to mention it because it's something in my life. Sometimes I fear this. God, if I use my gift, and people say, good job, I'm just being honest, there's been a teaching in my life that has said, and this is something I've really had to get over, I'm taking glory from God. And so that, I have such a fear of that, that I'm afraid to step into my gift completely. Because I say to myself, well, I've been told so many times, don't take attention away from God, right? You, you better be careful. It's not about you. And I know that, and I'm growing in that, but it paralyzes me from even doing what God called me to do. And that's not what God has for us. I want you to know that God has given you a gift and he wants you to use it. And when he sees you using it for his glory, he's the happiest and proudest of all. Could you imagine the perfect father when his son or daughter is doing something very well? Just being like, oh, whatever. Could you imagine that? I'm a parent. I went to uh, one of my children's sporting events on Friday. It was actually, Gabriel had a volleyball tournament. And they are a tiny Christian school. There are 36 kids. So I go to this tournament, co-ed volleyball, and there's 20 schools. And I'm really curious because one of the schools was my old high school, Maryville High School. And let's just say my high school was a little bigger than Gabe's high school. Uh, yeah, by a lot. There's over thousands of students. And I saw all the schools we used to play. It was like a blast from the past. Sir Robert Borden and all these schools. I played those schools. Those are big schools. And we were at St. Joseph's in Barhaven. And that school itself, I'm like, that's a big school. That's got to be over thousands of students. So they go in. And they start winning games. Do you think I was like, oh, whatever. I can't believe they're winning they stink. You know, like, Gabe, don't hit that ball. You might, like, don't, don't smash it down their throat, right? Like, <laughs> I was, like, in my heart, like, yeah, do it. And, of course, you're proud, right? When I see my kids do something well, I'm proud. But even, I still live under that fear of telling them they're doing well. Because, oh no, I'm going to blow their head up. Really? If we're doing something for God's glory, and we're shining for him, I want to tell you, you bring glory to your Father in heaven. And he's telling you, do not fear. All about Jesus. And if you do it for his glory... He is so proud of you. Throw away that fear. It's not from him. I believe it's condemnation from the devil. 
and it's not what we need. Christ frees us for the good work that he's prepared beforehand for us to walk in for his glory. Amen? That is the word of God. Finally, it says the laying on of hands. All right, that's not something we do either. Like, woo, that's getting a little weird. That's like getting on the territory of greet each other with a holy kiss. <laughs> is that cultural? Well, I think the kiss is, by the way. But I do not believe the laying on of hands is cultural. I think it's for all generations. And it's for our generation today. And obviously, Paul is reminding him, do you remember when we laid hands on you and we prayed for you? Why the laying on of hands? I was thinking about that, and Amy and I were commenting to each other, why is that necessary? Because unfortunately, in our day and age, touching is seen as bad. It really is, because abuse, again, you just, okay, you know, like, don't hug the kids, don't touch adults. That's weird. Someone can have been hurt by inappropriate touching, so we don't do it at all. But the Word of God, this beautiful, comforting, laying hands on, done the right way, is extremely affirming. Let me show you what it means in the Old Testament. I could think of two ways where they laid hands on when they did a sacrifice in the book of Leviticus and Exodus, they would lay their hand on the animal as almost a transfer in faith that my sin is now going upon this animal who would then die for my sin, right? So in faith, I'm transferring. In faith, I want you to get this, I'm transferring something, okay? Secondly, when someone was an anointed, whether it was a priest or a king, that they would lay hands on that person, almost a transfer of blessing, or we might see it, for instance, when a blessing was given to a son, in terms of, we look at Isaac, remember with Esau and Jacob and the blessing and the stealing of the blessing, he laid his hands on and, and prayed, Lord bless. It was a transfer of a spiritual blessing. And we knew he put his hands on because he's like, are you furry? You don't smell like that guy, but yeah, you are. And it was a big fake. But I'm not saying for the fake, I'm saying there was the idea of touch in faith to transfer the blessing. Now you understand that and understand this. Jesus touched. He touched children. He blessed them through the touch. Gentle, beautiful, right, appropriate, right? He did that. When he healed people, the majority of the time, he touched them. It's a part of scripture. Actually, in Hebrews chapter 6, when Paul, or whoever the author is, is speaking he says, you guys need to grow up and get past the elementary doctrines. And he names the laying on of hands as an elementary, basic, foundational doctrine. Think about that, because really, do we do that? Yeah, we do. But I want you to feel comfortable in the appropriate way when we're praying for someone. 
to lay your hands on them as a transfer of faith of what God can do in their life. It's a type. It's a picture. It is a demonstration of God might be giving you, Paul to Timothy, this gift, and in faith I'm transferring it because it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. When they sent missionaries out, Paul and Barnabas, what did they do? It says they laid hands on them. When there's a missionary going on a trip, we have them come up and we all lay hands on them. And it's a picture of faith that God will bless them. Beautiful picture. This morning, we desire as a body to be praying for one another, affirming one another, prophesying to one another what our gifts are, that we would not neglect them, but we would use them to build up the body of Christ. Jim Stanley, who's not here today in Africa, planted many churches. And I said, Jim, how do you know it was a church when people went? He said, no, they were in the bushes. He said, we'd have studies, but it wouldn't be a church. He said this to me many years ago, when we saw the Holy Spirit work through the gifts that I mentioned before, within a body, we knew it was a church. This body ministry, supernatural gifts, edifying one another, truly is a picture of an active, living, established church. We desire as a leadership to be doing that for each of you. And we would desire that you do that for one another. Can I finish with this? Stir it up. Maybe you need a little stir stick this morning. Stir it up. Stir it up. Come on. I don't care where you go to church, but make sure you're using your supernatural ability for the body of Christ, for the glory of God. God loves you so much. And he wants to see you succeed and work and bless others for his glory. No one in this room can say they don't have a gift. And if you need help and you're not sure, there are people at the back, always during communion and after, leadership. They say, could you just pray for me? I'm not sure. Could you just pray into my life? And we might know or not know, but we will pray. And we will desire God to speak to you. Maybe we know you, we can affirm you. Maybe God will give us a, a word. But never be afraid to seek prayer, to know what God wants of you. Amen? Now, if you go with, like, person after person and your gift is, like, helps and you don't want to clean the toilets, I go to the next person. I didn't like you. Well, like, Bob, you're okay, but I'm going to Dan. <laughs> it's really important to, to have affirmation because sometimes we think we're gifted in something and we need people to say, this is where it can be a little hard. 
That's not your call. See, a gift makes room for you. If you find that you're getting opportunities to do something, it's usually because God's given you ability in that area. Amen? But let's stir it up together and be the church that God has called us to be. I'm excited for what God's going to do because we come together in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the power of His Word, using His ability in our lives, man, there's going to be a lot of fruit. Amen? So thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your goodness this day. Lord, I just think of you, Jesus, even affirming and speaking into your disciples' lives. Peter, Peter, you're going to be a leader. I'm going to use you, Peter, to follow me. Jesus, you demonstrated to us how we should do ministry through relationship, through the truth of your words, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it would be our desire this morning as a leadership that you would leave this place encouraged, exhorted, and comforted. It's our desire that you would know that God has blessed you and that He hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but that you can step in without fear to what He's called you to do. Lord, if there's anyone in this room who might not know, I pray that you will speak to them through others, through your Holy Spirit, through your Word, of truly what their gift is. Lord, we want to make you proud. We want to please you. We're going to celebrate communion because we do it all for Jesus. Because we love him. Because he first loved us. We don't do this to do it. We do it to please our Lord who loved us died for us and set us free. This morning, I don't know everyone in this room, but maybe you don't have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you go to church, but you don't know Him. I want to encourage you that He loves you so much. God loved you so much that He sent Jesus to die for your sin, your failure. As you believe on Him that He rose from the dead, you will be saved that your destination is eternity just cry out to him he loves you so much the elements are in the back there will be people who are always ready to pray with you they'll be in the back We want to celebrate Christ and his love for us. I think when he went to the cross and he lived his life, Jesus, this is the amazing thing, 
demonstrated every single spiritual gift because he is perfect and we're worshiping him for how he has edified exhorted and comforted us thank you jesus thank you for your love thank you for your forgiveness as Randy sings, you can quietly, respectfully get the elements. Just worship the Lord. Let's spend time with him now. Amen. <laughs>